0: Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today we have with us Craig Payne. Hello,
1: Craig. How are you? Uh, Yeah, great to be here again, Fergal. Thanks, mate.
0: Welcome. Uh, I thought today we'd think about isolation. So, I mean, you know, the, the elephant in the room is the fact is we're filming this during COVID and, you know, Melbourne is in, um, is in lockdown. So there's a lot of people suffering from isolation. So we need to bear in mind that when we're talking in generic terms about isolation, that this is actually affecting a significant number of people in our society. So what's your view of the effects of, of isolation both on drug use and also on recovery?
1: <clears throat> yeah, and I think that's um that's where it, it ties in with COVID at the moment too, you know, because one of the things I so often hear and um and people talk about is that uh isolation is um it, well the the addiction just Causes isolation, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and traps them further in it. Um, and from a treatment perspective, as far as uh, as far as COVID goes at the moment, it, it's really difficult because one of the things we're encouraging people to do is to, as, as part of moving forwards, um, is to get up to make newtons to start getting out and about to start, um, you know, creating this new routine and these new interests and all this stuff and. can't do it at the moment so it really feels like they're right up against it and Mm -hmm. this is well do I stay in do I stay in the addiction or do I how uncomfortable can I be in all this so yeah, yeah, it's really difficult time to be looking at recovery
0: so we know that uh, I the more lonely the people feel the more they tend to use drugs and that was research that was actually published this year in response to COVID, the question was, you know, does isolation worsen substance use disorders? And quite frankly, the answer is yes, because when you're at home on your own, yeah. you've got nothing else to do. You, and you've, you've got a substance use disorder. Well, it's just very easy to fall back into those habits, isn't it? So it's important to realize that. Go on.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no I was going to say, well, I think um, the thing with the substance is it makes doing nothing Okay. No matter yeah. what it is or any, any sort of addiction, it makes doing nothing okay. It gives mm. nothing this false level, this false high. Yeah. And so sitting on the couch, sitting at home, folding the washing, like doing these things in isolation, it feels good to do it. But slowly, as we know, it's actually causing a lot of damage and eating away at things as well in the background. And then you said
0: something interesting that uh, drug use causes isolation. Tell me about that.
1: Well, it becomes the your mm-hmm. only focus and it becomes your only activity and because I mean look, people drink and do drugs because it makes them feel good yeah like it yeah. it's, it's it, in the beginning this is the thing is it is it it makes people feel good so um and that's what that's what they start to chase, and it might all of a sudden seem better to stay and have a drink than go for a walk down the park. It might seem better to to have a smoke instead of catching up with friends at a party or you know maybe you continue the party on when you get home alone um and so but slowly it takes over and you stop doing all the things that you used to do.
0: Hmm. So of course that's one of the diagnostic criteria isn't it that uh, for, for DSM-5 is a loss of activities so you lose all of the activities that, that anyone who's not uh dependent on drugs has so you know like visiting friends, going to the shops, going for coffees, you know, um, meeting, meeting out for uh, you know meals and things like that. And that range of activities just gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it basically becomes all my activities are, are, are related to either acquiring drugs, using drugs or recovering from drugs. So your circle of activities just shrinks, doesn't it? That's a DSM for yeah, diagnostic I- criterion.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and I think <clears throat> the point you make there about recovering from drugs is a really good one um, because that's another thing that forces into isolation as well is the the, the hangover and the come down. Um, yeah. You know, like maybe you've got plans for the next morning. Well, they don't happen because you're too hungover to do them. You plan to catch up with pl- friends. You plan to go out somewhere. But basically, at, or, you know, and with some some drugs, there's um, there's effects two and three days later. Mm and you know and so that prevents you from um f- from doing the thing so um yeah i think quite often we focus on the good to- on, on the feel good but yeah it's the um it's the the withdrawal side of things that plays a major part in the um the isolation and then mm. the build up of guilt and shame because mm. you're you're not um you're not fulfilling what you said you were going to you know you're not holding yourself up to your own standards yeah yeah,
0: so isolation causes drug use. Drug use causes isolation, and recovering from drug use also causes isolation. That's the point you're trying to make, yeah, mm.
1: yeah, yeah. And so the, the as you go on, the deeper you get into it, mm. the only, like you just end up at isolation. It it happens mm. slowly, mm. but then as use increases, as these things increase. Yeah, you just end up, um, you you just end up isolated, and and so many people I hear are, here, uh, um, you know, my, my existence now is sitting at home and um, and drinking on my own or using on my own, and I and my only interaction is going out and seeing dealers or seeing seeing the bottle shop attendant, yeah, and maybe seeing two or three bottle shop attendants so that you don't <laughs> to try and hide the the shame of going to the same one all the time as often as you are, but. Um, Yeah, and again, those feelings build up and the isolation continues.
0: So you've said in other situations that actually engaging in recovery, certainly the early steps of recovery is also isolating, haven't you? Because you're moving away from your your drug-using peer group and you haven't yet found your new tribe.
1: Yeah, it's a really difficult transition stage uh, for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, and you know, it, so many people come to recovery um, with broken, uh, broken relationships, um, not many real friends pushed family away, you know, they're they're feeling so isolated already, yeah, and then um, so that they haven't got a lot to fall back on. Um, and it can be hard to face up and mend those old relationships and especially in the early stages of recovery with the guilt and shame. So yeah, it's fine. And often they've lost track of, um, of who they are and, um, and what they actually want that next picture to look like. Mm -hmm. And trying to figure that out alone is, it's an awful place to be.
0: Yeah. Um, there's, there's also an idea about I think we need to emphasize that there's a difference between isolation and feeling lonely, isn't there? Because it's possible to not be isolated, but to still feel disconnected with people and, be, um, and feel lonely. So, for instance, before, before COVID happened, there would have been a lot of people living in Melbourne, in the middle of a big city, who did not experience the benefits of social connections. So they would not have been isolated. But they would have felt no, lonely. And, it's actually yeah, no, loneliness, I think, that, I think, that is the that is the key emotion. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great point. And I think um in a lot of ways, uh sometimes people can isolate in the company of strangers. Yeah. And by that I mean um that's where they go to the pub. And maybe they sit in a pub all day because their pub is their only social circle or maybe it's a gambler who goes and hangs out in the TAB or some sort of venue like that because they're around other people they may not really engage in much conversation or maybe that's a little bit of conversation they have but that's the only social connection they have and that's the only thing that actually gets them up and out of the house each day so it's still yeah quite a lonely existence because it's not a real friendship it's not based on anything other than those interactions for a few hours in in the um, in a, in a licensed venue or somewhere, so um, yeah, I think quite often, yeah, it's people can isolate in the company, and um, it makes the picture seem a little bit better than it actually is. And of course,
0: these are almost as good friends as Facebook friends. You know, when we're talking about isolation, loneliness, and, and human connection, we're actually talking about you know physical relationships, emotional relationships. We're not talking about having hundreds of followers on Facebook or having a couple of blokes that you kind of punch shoulders with at the pub or the uh, the TAB uh, shop. But it's also important to remember that, you know, we're in COVID. These bars uh, and betting shops are all shut. So even the degree, that small degree of human contact that was available now is no longer available, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think, again, and that's driving people further into the addiction as well because it's almost made the... um, (laughs) Say so something like gambling, at least if someone's getting up to go and do that and they're getting out and about, that's filling in time. But if they're just sitting at home and that's purely what they're doing from um, wake till sleep, then they're probably in a lot more trouble. And the same is drinking, the same is drugs. Um, if, if that's the focus mm. from the, the minute you wake up, then and that feeling of isolation and loneliness is exacerbated, mm. then you know, you're know you just going to drink more and more. And that guilt and shame's building up.
0: So it's actually quite a dangerous time for a lot of people with uh, addictions. I mean, I'm mean, i thinking about gamblers. You know, they've got nothing else to do except go online. Mm. I mean, and the bookies- there's a lot
1: more places popping up too. Everywhere's yeah, that- going online. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to a guy recently who a lot of the bookies that were track bookies have actually turned their business online and, and they're ringing customers and they're actively trying to recruit people. Really? Mm. So right. yeah and 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 so ha- like if you're sitting at home and you're you've say so yourself excluded from all this stuff and you're doing the right things and you've said you know blocking your avenues to gambling and then you're getting phone calls or getting messages and things to say hey um, come and join us um, that's going to be pretty hard to resist at a, at a time of weakness um, it's the same as deliveries from bottle shops deliveries from you know dealers it's sort of everyone's looking at a way to 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 keep you trapped, um, and to feed off the isolation.
0: Yeah. Deliveries from bottle shops. I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, it's the same as takeaway food, takeaway, takeaway booze. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing?
1: No, I I don't think it's a good thing at this time at all. Um, you know, it's one thing to have kept the, the bottle shops open. Um, you know, you look at so many other businesses that have closed down, but, but these ones are open and, I just look. I'm looking long term at the moment. You know, they're already talking about um, people having increased their drinking habits, and there's the the 66 day ad- advertising that's going on at the moment as far as forming a new habit, and that's what people are doing. And um, and, What's, and what now is they know they can days? get it delivered.
0: What is the well? They're just days? saying
1: that it takes 66 days to form a habit, um, and lockdown has well and well and truly surpassed that at the moment and you know the studies are already suggesting that um alcohol consumption is well up people are drinking more often than than they were um and as restrictions have eased a little bit those levels of drinking are remaining people uh, who might may have come home from work one or two nights a week and had a drink uh finishing work at five o'clock and drinking every night yeah yeah
0: So, I mean, some of the evidence that I've read is that women are drinking more because they're having to cope with the burdens of childcare because their kids aren't going Mm -hmm. to school, and men are drinking more because they're having to cope with the psychological burden of unemployment. So you factor in unemployment, isolation, and it's, you know, employment is so connected with your self-esteem and your social identity. You take that away, and then, of course, you've got this complete vulnerability to, to alcohol, I mean, yeah. interestingly, the, in terms of other illicit drugs, I mean, I've read research that suggests that actually the biggest impact on illicit drugs is the lack of availability of MDMA, ecstasy. And We're not really, at the moment, seeing uh, significant changes affecting the, uh, the market for heroin or methamphetamine, not, certainly not in the research that I've read, but the, ecstasy, for some reason, is hard to get by. And reassuringly, I've also read research that suggests that access to drug treatment services during the time of COVID has not actually been impaired. There was a paper I read that said that only 7% of users felt that access to drug treatment services had been difficult. Mind you, that research was published in the earlier months of COVID. and I don't think we really know the effects of what's going on right now, because as you say, this lockdown has lasted a number of months.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well as far I mean, as far as the treatment side of things, um, I'd say it's well and truly been impacted now. Um, in yeah. fact I know it has. Yeah. Um, in the, what ways the well, the wait lists have blown out. And yeah. you know, the access especially to rehabs yeah. um, is a lot more difficult. It you know we we had people who, you know, maybe the wait they'd be told that the wait list was six weeks, but because of um, different circumstances, this is pre COVID. Um, they may end up getting a bed within a week or two weeks or you know, or three, two or three. Like it, it could be a little bit quicker. Now we're looking at months for beds. Now we're looking at, you know, it, it's rare that um, that the opening will come up earlier as well because what limited beds were available yeah. have been cut because, because of COVID. Like they're not having that many people on site. So, yeah, um, yeah it's difficult in that sense.
0: So not only is there an increased number of patients with uh, problematic alcohol consumption or other illicit drug use, but actually the number of beds that are available to treat these patients has been cut, that's what you're saying.
1: Um, yeah, and I, I think, but as well, there's also, um, as far as the counselling side of things, now that that's gone online and, um, and can be done uh, telehealth style, um, yeah. what I've heard is, like, well, um, feedback I've had is that that's been a uh, a real win because mm. people are able to do it from their home and they're much yeah. more likely to turn up, um, yeah. you know, because they don't have to go to the, the trouble of coming in for an appointment and doing all these things that, and they can do it from home. Um, the attendance rate at counselling sessions uh, is a lot higher.
0: That's an interesting segue into this debate about you know, is it a valuable exercise to consider online peer support groups? Um, You know, we're talking about isolation, you know, causing, um, you know, substance use disorders worsening. And we're talking about, you know, the internet causing or facilitating consumption of alcohol and consumption of bedding. What about the consumption of treatment services? How do you view online treatment services?
1: Uh, and look, I know. Uh, well, funnily enough, uh, in about six weeks, uh, I'll be starting a, um, an online peer support group through um, our organisation um, mm-hmm. because it's been called for at this time, um, and I've had success with it um, through another project I was involved in. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. And look, I know a lot of people were hesitant at the start uh, when. Uh, smart meetings when 12-step when all that sort of when all that went online um, people felt that they didn't quite have the connection and it was it wasn't the same Mm -hmm. uh, and were a little bit more hesitant to log on but once people have logged on uh, they've actually discovered that it's well it might be the only form of connection they get um Mm with the with the outside and with other people trying to go through recovery at the moment. So um, and they've found little communities as well. I know just the um, one of the meetings that I was facilitating, we built up a little regular following for that one. Um, yeah. And yeah, and uh, yeah, it was that people something for people to look forward to each week. And some of them were doing two and three meetings a week online, and mm-hmm. um, and it was yeah, it was a real win for them. So.
0: So what would you say to those people who are frightened of going online for these meetings? Some of the patients that I look after, now the irony is that I'm looking after them online, and I say to them, okay, so you've seen me online, I want you to now go and you know, join a support group on, online. And they, 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 they put up barriers to that. Why do you think people are putting up barriers to accessing supports online?
1: I think um, whether it was online or not, some people would be putting up those same resistances. But yeah. um, for a lot of people, they want that face to face. For a lot of people, they don't yeah. feel comfortable. Like there's the I think um, internet security for like there's little paranoias around that for people that yeah. um, you know. And because I know early, like who's actually watching? Um, yeah. You know, because because it is just open to the public and and anyone can jump in. Um, yeah, they're they're afraid of maybe. Um, seeing someone they know uh, or being yeah. found out and maybe that the anonymity side of things is, is gone. Um, but you know, the, the thing with the online stuff at the moment is um, for, for, well, for a lot of them or some of them, you can join with your camera off. Um, some will ask for camera on so that they um, can guarantee that you are alone. And, um, but uh yeah, you know, I think it's just a it's a chance to connect in um in in a in a really difficult situation at the moment. COVID, there's not much connection yeah. going on, so yeah. uh, this is a real chance to do that. And I would just encourage them to log on, um, and just and sit. You can always log out if need be. If they if it is being seeing someone they know that, that's a worry, then just you're at the click of a button and you can just leave and you can jo- yeah. go join a new meeting. I mean, yeah. you can join meetings all over Australia, all over the world at the moment. Yeah. and make new connections.
0: So in that regard, you could argue that COVID has actually increased access to treatment. It's actually, COVID has actually made us more connected. You could argue that, couldn't you?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah. um, you know, we just, it, I in one mm-hmm. of these meetings we were doing, had people from um, Sydney, from Queensland, from South Australia, uh, you know, people from everywhere. And it, that actually adds to the anonymity as well and adds mm. to the experience
0: so actually you know your anonymity is protected because if you're in melbourne you can join a group in sydney or, or western australia and no one's going to know you you know and you know you yeah. see so you're yeah. actually you've in
1: more got just as, yeah you've got just as much chance bumping into someone you know in person at a meeting as yeah. you have uh online so uh mm. and never forget that you're both there for the same reason so both of you probably don't want it getting out at that stage, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, yeah, I was very interested to hear what you said. When I just asked you about my patient who didn't actually want to go online, what you were actually saying is he just didn't want to join a peer support group He wasn't ready, and we've talked about the reasons why people may not be ready to join a peer support group in previous um, discussions. Let's now move on to... You know the role that isolation plays in the journey to recovery and how damaging is it in terms of actually engaging in recovery and, and its consequences upon relapse?
1: Um, I think that the mental health side of things plays a really big role. Um, yeah. And so the further the isolation um, can eat away at mental health, um, the more... The, the more urge there is for people to seek, seek some relief through a substance. Um, and so, yeah, being on top of the mental health side of things is, is, is really important.
0: Uh, you've said in other uh, fora that you've said that there's no such thing as a lone ranger in recovery. I, I use that line now quite a lot as I think it does emphasize the fact that recovery is a group effort. You cannot do this on your own, and if you think you can, you're really deluding yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You need to need to create some sort of connection. You need to create some some form um, of recovery program. And um, this, is, this is your option at the moment. You know, you mightn't like it, uh, but you're not going to like a lot of things moving forward either. You know, life, no. life's going to throw these things up all the time. So it's about looking at it and saying, well, this is the solution and this is the solution I've got. So yeah. if I'm going to make a fist of this, I just need to bite the bullet and do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other option at the moment. It'll be interesting no. to
0: see what happens when we when we get over COVID and when we start having other options other than online. To what extent will people, having become used to online, then continue to pursue their recovery online? And I think there will be a significant proportion of patients who will choose to do the online option. But then again, there'll still be the, the people who still want to do the face-to-face. I think we're now in a world now where we're accommodating both.
1: Yeah, and I think it's going to really um, help people with their balance, with the balance of life. You know, um, yeah. they can just dial in from home and it doesn't, yeah, an hour meeting doesn't need to take up two or three hours with travel time and all the rest of it. You know, it's yeah. actually uh, a lot more convenient moving forward. And, yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised if, mm-hmm. um, if if there are a lot of meetings that uh, that do uh remain online and, and people stay engaged that way i think the options will definitely increase but um yeah i, I think the, on the whole a majority will want to go back to face to face but mm-hmm. to have those options available is definitely going to be um going to be really good moving forwards
0: so isolation does it impact upon relapse
1: yeah Feeling big time friendly. um yeah because it's a form of relief and it's a form of connection. And uh, like we've said, you know, left alone to self, um, we can justify anything. We can turn anything into a good idea. Um, we can justify that just one. And um, again, it just comes down to that: creating yourself a, a a meaningful day, a meaningful meaningful existence, a purpose for each day. Um, and if you're alone and um, and isolated. <sighs> the urge to um seek relief in a substance is going to come back and it's going to be harder to fight
0: so it all starts of course with giving yourself permission doesn't it which which is not necessarily giving yourself permission to take the drug it could be giving yourself permission to not go online to not to not reach out to people to miss a, a meeting, no, that's right. to miss a group that's when yeah, it starts, and we need it? to
1: be yeah, we need to be sharing these things with people. We need to be sharing the the fact that um, maybe you're struggling, that the thoughts are returning. Um, you need to be normalizing that and getting them out of your own head and and, and finding some um, some guidance and some relief from others. Um, and yeah, just, just by sharing that, other people will be able to help you work through that.
0: Mm. And so it's really important to recognize that isolation, whilst it may become attractive to you, it's like uh, it's like a siren and it's calling you onto a rocky shore you you need to deal with it you need to reach out
1: yeah and it it's yeah. that balance thing you know like i think i think we all need time alone and you know i re- i know personally i really value time alone I, I i like my own company i like um having my space but too much of it's not a good thing either you know we yeah. need to be out there doing things with people so um, yeah, just being really aware of where that balance sits for you um, is pretty key. Yeah, yeah. All
0: right, Craig, we've run out of time as usual, but uh, before we sign off, can you just say one summary point about the impact of isolation and how we deal with it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, isolation's killer. Um So... Again, trying to trying to plan a day, a week, a routine, trying to make sure that you've got a good balance of, uh, of connection uh, and meaningful activities within your week is gonna be really, um, really important moving forward.
0: Craig, thanks very much. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Cheers, Fergal. Thanks, mate. That's it for today's MedHeads. My name's Dr. Fergal Armstrong. We'll see you next time.